God is doing some great stuff. We've been in a wonderful sermon series on what we are made for. That we're made for worship, right? We, we're made for truth. We're made for the other, which is what we just described, what we just demonstrated today when we actually went out of our comfort zones and said hello to someone new. We're made for the other. And today we're going to be looking at we are made for shalom. Shalom. Can we say shalom together? Shalom. I don't know the last time you said that word, but it's been a bit for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21 is where we're going to be going. I'm going to invite you to participate. So as I read the scripture at the end of it, I'm going to say this is the reading of God's word, and I invite you to respond by saying, thank you, God. We want to thank God for God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. From now on, Therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we no longer know him in that way. For if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Look, new things have come into being. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made the one who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the ring of God's word. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, this past Monday, I took the day off from work. I took the day off from work. Just wanted you all to know that. For Yom Kippur, you know, Yom Kippur, everyone know? Uh, not that I was celebrating Yom Kippur, not that I wouldn't celebrate Yom Kippur, but my son goes to school, and at the school, they honor those that do celebrate Yom Kippur, so they got the day off, and I had the opportunity to be dad with my son, and it was an amazing day, but I, I was like, Yom Kippur, what, what are we doing on Yom Kippur? Oh, there is like, our Jewish brothers and sisters are spending an entire day reflecting on their sin. They're spending the entire day confessing their sins to God. The entire day is spent on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement. The entire day. When was the last time we spent the entire day reflecting on our sin, confessing our sins to God, and experiencing the reconciling work of God in our life? Talk about humility. And it wasn't just one day, right? There was a number of days leading up to in the High Holy Days, but that was Monday, and I'm like, oh, I, my son isn't going to school. What am I going to do? <laughs> That's what my mindset was. Our Jewish brothers and sisters spend the entire day on confession, this idea of restitution and sacrifice. This atonement involves reconciliation, that, that God no longer counts our sins against us. There's confession forgiveness, reconciliation with God, and this atonement leads to shalom. Shalom, as 
2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 says that we read in verse 17, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Look, new things have come into being and all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. See, as Christians, we believe that it was God's own self. It was God in the person of Jesus Christ who alone can atone, who alone can atone for our sins. Jesus is the sole contributor, the sole provider. It was Jesus, it was, it was God's sacrifice that made on our behalf that allowed for us to experience reconciliation with God. Jesus alone can atone. We find forgiveness for our sins, reconciliation, peace with God, with ourselves, with one another because of what God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus leads towards shalom. Jesus is the one who makes shalom even possible. Shalom. I don't think I've ever said shalom so many times in my entire life. I think that's 12. And there's plenty more to come. Don't worry. If you guys are like, I hope he says it more. I will. Shalom is more than peace. Shalom is more than the absence of conflict. Listen to some of these words. Shalom is a state of completeness, of well-being, of harmony in all aspects of life. Yes, your spiritual life with God, but your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, your relationship with all of creation. And here we are. We find ourselves in the fall. Get to wear our sweaters. It's a little bit cold outside. And it feels like everything has flooded in in the fall, right? I mean, it just, life just came at us. Am I the only one that feels that way? Like, it was like, I thought I was busy until the, thank you for raising your hands. I appreciate that. I got one person to respond. You know why people don't raise their hands? Because you're afraid you're gonna get called on. That's why you're, it's like, don't call on me, pastor. But thank you for participating. Um, (laughs) We're in school, full swing. Everything is coming at us and words like peace and harmony and well-being are not what I would use to describe my reality. (laughs) I feel a long way from shalom. I'm a long way from shalom. Is this just me? How are you doing? How does that word sit with you? How are the words of shalom, of peace? Are you experiencing peace with God? Are you experiencing peace with yourself or with, with others? How's your sense of peace? How's your personal well-being doing? Are you in unity with others? Are you in harmony with creation? Are these the words that you would describe your life? If we're honest, okay, that's harsh because you're like, Pastor, I am honest. Okay, great. But let's just like look at our lives for a second. Let's be honest with ourselves and let's just say no. (laughs) Not in every single way, right? Not in every way are we experiencing shalom. Some of us are on different ends of the spectrum, sure, but none of us have arrived. In fact, I'd argue that we are a long way from shalom. We're a long way from 
shalom. I'm not saying that we're not reconciled. I'm not saying that we're not redeemed. I'm not saying that we're not forgiven or restored in our relationship with God. Through Jesus Christ, we are. What I am saying is that the experience of shalom. I'm talking about the practice of shalom, the well-being, the peace, the harmony, about living in the truth that we are made for shalom. This is what we're made for. I want us to, if you're taking notes, I want us to write down two phrases today. Two phrases, just us and just as. Just us and just as. See, we are made for shalom, but I have a question. If we're made for it, then why is it so stinking hard? Like, why is it so hard? Why, don't, why does it feel like it's such a long way off for us? Well, it starts from the beginning. Yes, we're gonna go there. We're gonna go to the beginning, Genesis. There was a garden. I wanna invite you to go there. Genesis chapter three. The Bible begins in the book of Genesis, and it's set in the epitome of shalom known as Eden. Eden is a garden where in Genesis three, verse eight says, God would walk with humanity in the cool of the day. That's just one of my favorite verses in scripture. I love imagining that, that the God of the universe is walking with humanity in the cool of the day. Imagine that, you're in a garden, okay? At Los Angeles, we have some amazing gardens. We have some world-renowned gardens. You picture yourself in whatever garden you love in Los Angeles. You're there, the fragrances, oh, I love it. The sounds, you actually hear nature. You actually hear birds, it's amazing. You can hear bees, it's amazing. And then you see just life, it's teeming with life. You're in this garden, but plus, you're walking with God, having a casual conversation with God at like the golden hour. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? That's what Adam and Eve are doing. It's totally next level. God created all the animals of the fields, the land, you know, in the sea, in the air, the plants and land, in the, in the oceans, all of creation. He creates Eve and he creates Adam as the pinnacle of creation and God creates all of this to flourish. Well, that's a fun word, flourish. That's another word we use to describe shalom. What's your relationship like with flourishing? Are you flourishing? You're experiencing peace, well-being, harmony, flourishing. This is shalom. From the very beginning, God created, and all that God has created and all that God will create, he longs for it to flourish. But humanity. Those two words changed everything. But humanity. In the epitome of shalom, humanity. In the garden of flourishing humanity. In the book of Genesis, we learn of a story, a story about why we flounder rather than flourish. Genesis 3, you guys are there? Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may... Eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Let me hear you say who was with her. Men, let me hear you say who was with her. And he ate. This is not just Eve in the garden eating fruit, men. Adam and Eve right next to each other knowing what God said, seeing that this thing might be good for themselves, take of it and they give it to each other and they eat of it. Their story, this temptation is our temptation that we might be like God. We might be gods of our own lives. We got this handled. I can, this looks like, you know what God, I, I think I can do this myself. I got this. I can be like God. I, I can, this can be all about me. And their story is our story. See, prior to Adam and Eve wearing the designer fig leaves in the garden, playing hide and seek from God and one another, fun game, they were shamelessly, shamelessly walking and working, caring and cultivating for with intentionality, with vulnerability and concern all that God had entrusted them to do. And then shift happened. What was once a focus on care, on concern and cultivation, this idea of cultivating shalom shifted to care and concern for the self. This isn't unique to Adam and Eve, church. Their story is our story. When we decide that we want to be God, all just and right relationships shift. They shift to a self-focus, to a self-concern. They shift to just us. It's all about us. It's just about us. But God has something to say about this just us mentality. Jeremiah 29, 7, we learn that God says, seek Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray. Pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. God commands God's people to seek. God charges God's people to pursue. God is calling us to work, to labor, to pray, to actively strive towards something. What is it that we're to seek, church? We are to seek the, what are we to seek? I'm, I'm, I'm actually asking the question. I'm, <laughs> this is not rhetorical. What did he ask? I don't know. Someone lean to the person next to you and say, what, did the pa- what was the question the pastor just asked? Seek the welfare of the city. Let me hear you say welfare. 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 Wow, that's a fun word. Like a suitcase 
welfare, we like to pack that word with a whole bunch of meaning. I don't know what your experiences are, what your opinions are, but when you hear the word welfare, you can fill it with a whole bunch of meaning, but the Hebrew word for welfare, guess what it is? Shalom. Seek the shalom of the city, for in their shalom you will find your This one word, we find God's vision for flourishing. Words like justice and dignity, safety and prosperity, well-being and fullness, completeness and harmony, these are God's ideas for shalom. And God's idea is to become our idea. Not our idea is to become God's idea. God's idea is to become our idea. God's vision for the world, for humanity, for you, for your relationships is to become your vision. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20 says, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Look, new things have come into being and all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are to be ambassadors for Christ. God has given us a ministry. Each and every one of us has a ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. And it's a ministry that carries with it a message, the message of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ, representatives of Christ. It's as if if you see me, you see Christ. That we are to embody Christ, to experience Christ in us the hope of glory. What are we to represent God's reconciling, God's unfailing love? Brings us to just as. Because in John chapter 13, 34, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. We know this. That you love one another just as. Let me hear you say just as. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Love. Hmm. Scripture tells us that love comes from God. And anyone who loves just as God loves, the Bible says, is born of God and knows God because God is unfailing love. You will never fail me, we sing. You are our firm foundation, the rock on which I'll stand. Your love never fails. And to think that the unfailing, loving God of the universe that created everything calls you and me his beloved. 1 John 4, 11, beloved, that's you. Beloved, since God loves us so much, we also ought to love one another. Following Jesus is all about being rooted and grounded in love. God's unfailing love 
is the basis. It's the firm foundation. It's the rock from which we stand. It's the launching pad from which we do anything. Our foundation is not that we love God, but that he loves us. And love, hmm, this love is to flow out of the fact that we are first loved. I think that um, shalom is hard in our relationships with others because I think oftentimes we don't receive the shalom of God. I don't know that we believe that God truly loves us. I don't think that it actually flows through our veins. I don't think that it's actually woven in the DNA, in our fibers of our being. I don't think it is sweating through our pores the reality that you and I are desperately loved by God. That we believe that God no longer holds our sins against us. That we believe that we are actually reconciled, redeemed, Do we live and trust, rest and work as though we are deeply, desperately and unfailingly loved by God? See, God didn't settle for just us in the garden. In fact, God isn't gonna settle for this is just the way it is. He doesn't settle for just is in our current reality. No, he expects, in fact, Jesus will not settle for anything less than just as from the church. John 13, 34, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should love one another. Oh, you know this. You know this. You know this should. You know this ought. Yes, we should love. Yes, we ought to love. Well, how? How? If we couldn't, as human beings, couldn't pull off shalom in the garden, then how are we supposed to love in this shalom kind of way in the midst of conflict, in the midst of disunity. How are we supposed to do that? I love how Pastor Kim Dortilly says this. She says, this is her quote from a sermon a while back. She says, we can't nurse bitterness. We can't live with hate. We can't dwell in animosity toward our neighbors, toward those in the city, toward those in the country, to those around the world. We cannot be about these things. Why? Because God's shalom is simply not in any of these things. I had a conversation with a congregant recently who was in conflict. I know that really narrows it down. (laughs) This person experiencing conflict says that she has some haters in her life. You guys know what a hater is? Someone who's jealous, someone who's judgmental. And she has plenty of reason to respond to these haters with animosity. But she says this, I thought it was really profound. She says, I don't want anyone saying I wasn't kind. People can hold things against me. People can be jealous. People can be judgmental. That's emotionally and spiritually immature and that's on them. But as far as it depends on me, as far as it depends on me, What does scripture say, church? As far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Peace, the shalom is for everyone. Shalom is not just for us. 
It's not just us. And we got work to do. (laughs) Good news, though. Through our just as love, we get to partner with God in bringing bringing in this shalom of God. We have a ministry, church, and this can be lived out every day and everywhere with everyone, your ministry, the way in which you live, the way in which you love, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, with your family, with your friends, with your enemies, on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, no one uses Facebook anymore, Instagram. (laughs) Sorry, Facebook. You're like, stop doing that. Stop perpetuating that lie. There's a family in the church. Uh, I want to introduce you to Samantha and Cece Dale. Samantha and Cece, can you come up? Samantha and Cece, uh, yeah, we can give it up for them. (laughs) Samantha and Cece, um, you know, just when we think about what does it look like for us to live out shalom, when we live out this idea of participating with God and, and bring about shalom in our everyday lives, right? Everyday lives. Cece, uh, what comes to mind for you? What would you like to say? Um, I would say that it's very important to show people unconditional kindness, kind of what you were saying in your sermon a bit. Um, it could even just be like smiling and waving something as they walk by because mm. if they're having a hard day, that could make their day. Yeah. And, or even just if you see someone that maybe you don't really like, like I'll walk by someone at school and I'm like, oh, but I'll still be like, hey, you know, yeah. just be nice. Yeah. Does anyone else fit into that description? There's someone you walk by and you're like, but you're like, smile, it's good. It's good. Thank you, Cece, that's awesome. I would echo that statement. Also, I think um, having compassion and forgiveness and being quick to give God the glory in my day-to-day um, interactions with people. You know, God's been really calling me into leadership in every area of my life this year, and it's mm-hmm. been, there's been moments where I start to lose my shalom, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I keep giving it to God, and, and he keeps making my plate bigger, so it's, it's been great to uh, be able to experience that and know that whatever I'm doing, it's because of the grace of God. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you so much to you both for sharing. I appreciate you guys' witness. That's it. I mean, Simple things are profound, but when you say things like have compassion, that's not an easy thing, but it is a profound thing. When you smile at someone, when you engage with someone that you really don't want to engage with in a, in a loving way, but you choose to do, that can actually make a profound impact on someone's life. And so I thank you for modeling for us, showing us, and encouraging us. I'm going to say, hey, it's a charge, church. Let's do this. Let's take these simple things and let's play them out. Let's practice these things in our everyday life. Can we say thank you to them? Thank you. For it.